You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Morallo. Good evening, Jets fans, or good afternoon, Jets fans, I should say. Uh, thank you for joining, joining us today. Alex and I, a little bit early today. Normally, we're doing the show five, six hours from now, but... Uh, Circumstances dictate otherwise, and we wanted to get a show in. And because let's face it, folks, um, big, big big rumblings in in the world of the Jets. As many of you know, I'm sure all of you know by now, the Jets once again were absolutely pounded in Indy this weekend, thirty six to seven. And and it, all these blowout losses, Alex. No matter the score, it never feels as close as the scoreboard said it was. Um, when when you lose thirty six seven, and the other team uses their backup quarterback for the entire fourth quarter, uh, or much of the fourth quarter, that that tells you this could have been a fifty to seven game if they'd kept their foot on the gas, which they did not. Uh, so a uh, big thank you to the Indianapolis Colts for that. But Alex, as we know, as a result of that loss. We now have two media outlets, uh, one being uh, Chris Mortensen and the other Colin Cowherd, who I don't, I don't take a lot of stock in Cowherd. I, like, I don't hate the guy like some people do. He's, he's an entertainer. He's, he does a shtick. He's not really that great. And a lot of what he says, I feel like, you know, I say it all the time. I, Alex, we could start the show right now today by saying, uh, uh, b- breaking news, I just got a text that the Jets are uh, not happy with Adam Gase. Well, well, no kidding. Like, like what ownership wouldn't be pissed off with their coach right now? Um, we could even, you could even say he might be fired, because if he doesn't, you go, oh, well, he wasn't. I, I said might. I didn't say he was going to be fired. So I heard the Mortensen thing, raised an eyebrow, heard the Cowherd thing, and thought, well, that, that's two people now, but that could be Cowherd piggybacking on Morton. Um, that could be, cause listen, anytime, whether the jets are good, bad, or otherwise, anytime you're talking about a New York market team, if you can stir up a story for a New York team, given the population of that city, you're going to, you're going to put yourself in the news for a few days, which Colin Cowherd has done. Um, but the interesting thing here, Alex, is that if you listen really closely, just, just give it a, give it a listen here. That has been the jets response to these rumors. And why is that significant? For those of you who recall, a few years ago, there were rumors that the Jets were exploring the possibility of replacing Todd Bowles with Jim Harbaugh. And I don't have the exact time frame, Alex, but I feel like it was like the following day that the Jets released a statement to, to stomp out those rumors. Not true. Todd's our coach. We're not talking to Harbaugh. These stories are not real. Fake news, I don't think it was a term back then. I don't even remember. But, uh, but basically, the Jets took action. They were proactive. They protected their coach. They told the media. They told the fans that the rumors were not true. Chris Mortensen, I believe, broke this story on Saturday, was the initial report. And then Cowherd followed it up on Monday. They've now had two or three times the amount of time that they had to deny the Todd Bowles rumors, and they've said nothing. 
They've been completely silent. And as the saying goes, the silence is deafening. Adam Gase was asked about it, and he didn't really, he just kind of said, look, we're 0-3. You know, he didn't, I mean, Adam, any head coach is a tough spot. Any, any job. Imagine having a job where you have to answer to the media and someone stands up and says, so, hey, everyone says you're getting fired this week. What do you think? Like, what the hell are you going to say? You know? Um, what are your thoughts, though, Alex? Do you, do you think that Gase could be sort of on his last two or three days here as a Jets head coach? Yeah, it, it definitely seems that, uh, you know, the Jets have a particular way of responding to narratives and, and media rumors and other things like that. Um, you know, if not directly, inadvertently, they'll do things, um, you know, ways in which they've handled, uh, you know, the Johnson investigation in the UK, Um you know, they immediately put out a report that Christopher Johnson reached out to every single player to address personal needs and, you know, other things that, that have happened and occurred um, within the last two years of Christopher Johnson's, um, you know, oversight on this organization. Um, you can almost tell that he, he does seem to be a little bit influenced um, with the way that they handle certain things. So, um, good observation by you, Glenn, how they've kind of kept quiet on this whole matter. Um, you know, is this really alarming? Um, not really. Uh, you know, you're looking at three weeks of work, if you want to call it that, where the Jets have just looked completely incompetent um, and unable to be competitive. Uh, you know, something I talked about a couple weeks ago was, you know, everybody can can put in the work and you can show that you're a hard worker. Um but, you know, does that hard work uh, equate to being competitive? <laughs> and right now, um, the coach is not compete, uh, not doing his job to put a competitive product out there. Um, his job is to work with what he's got and make something out of nothing. Um, he, re- he really is working with, you know, a lot of crap right now, if we, if we really want to be honest with it. But, you know, we're not going to sit here and make excuses after – three weeks of pitifulness. Um, But to not have an identity on your offense, to not have answers to the questions of the media, and to continue to see a young, talented prospect in in Darnold um, continue to lose his confidence, to lose um, games, to lose, you know, his sense of awareness when he's out in the field um, just does not look like the same player or prospect that we were kind of hoping to see in year three. So um, not alarming at all that this could finally be it for Adam Gase. Um, You know, Coward, I think he said after Thursday, um, it could be done. Who knows if he's going to be done regardless if they win or lose. Um, If he wins, then it'll be kind of a weird scenario, you know, playing it week by week, game by game, you know, if you're going to fire the guy, fire the guy and let somebody come in and start working on their new program now. Don't wait until we have another 41 to 10 game and then, and then you know, swing the ax. If you're going to make a move, make a move. Um, but, yeah, this is, a, you know, tough, tough scenario that the Jets are in right here. Um, you know, some people will be getting what they wanted, if this does occur and this does happen this week, and then we'll really be able to see if the change will be beneficial for Donald or not. 
um, you know, switching everything midseason, or, uh, you know, if it, if it is true that he can prosper without the uh, poor tutelage of Adam Gase. So, you know, some questions will be answered this year. Um, you know, I don't know how to look at it at this point. It, everything's kind of negative. Um, but, you know, let's go ahead and let's uh, kind of get into this game if you want here, Glenn. Um, but, yeah, it looks like the hot seat is boiling for Mr. Gase. And um, some things might be changing within the next week or so. Yeah, and I think the thing is, Alex, you know, you mentioned the lack of talent. We Everyone mentions the lack of talent. Um and, and that's true. I mean, listen, there's, there aren't a lot of proven guys on this roster. But I think, here, to me, here, here's a few things that hurt Adam Gase, um, regardless of the talent. One, and, you know, you've, you've seen me and, and millions of others mention it on Twitter, is, is the regression of Sam Darnold. If you were to go back and watch Sam Darnold's first NFL game as a rookie, he looked better than he does right now. Um, and that's not supposed to happen when you're an offensive genius who is on what game 15, 16, 17 in year two with the same quarterback. And he looks worse than when you started well, worse than, you know, he did the very first time he set foot on an NFL football field. Um, he also looks worse than he did despite improved blocking up front. It's not great blocking up front, but it's better than it has been. So the blocking is better the results are, I don't know the word, immeasurably worse. And this is where we have to worry, is Sam Darnold broken? I said last year that my hope was that the fact that he finished strong, despite all the pressure, I mean, I mean you know, the, the pass rush pressure is what I'm talking about, kind of gave me hope that having to navigate through that would make him better moving forward. But even though there is less pressure now, in terms of pass rushing, he's, I, 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 it makes me sick to my stomach to have to say this. Um, and I don't mean physically the way he plays. I mean, decision-making wise, he looks like Mark Sanchez. He is staring down one receiver. And if the guy's not open, he's panicking. He's either scrambling or throwing it away. And this is not what Sam Darnold did as a rookie. I remember the first few games I watched Sam Darnold. I thought, Jesus Christ, we finally have a quarterback who's going through, through progressions who's throwing guys open, who's doing things that Mark Sanchez never did. Geno Smith, same thing, stare down one guy. And he did it a lot the other day. One guy, one read, throw it if he's open, throw it. Who cares if he's triple covered? Throw it anyway. That's your one read. So that, the, the, the regression of Sam Donald, despite the, the protection got better, the quarterback got worse. That's that. I think that could be the number one thing that gets Adam Gase fired because this was all supposed to be about watching Sam Darnold progress, and he is regressing. Now, the other thing is the receivers. Obviously, they're insanely banged up. But why in the world? I saw a stat the other day, and I, I can't even remember if I mentioned this on the show last week, Alex. I may have, but it's worth mentioning again. You look at that list of targets that they're trotting out there, Berrios, Malone, that other guy, and, and, and uh, Herndon at your tight end spot, should be your number one target. Of all the guys you have, he has the best chance of creating a mismatch. He has the most chemistry with Darnold. 
He has the ability to get open down the field. And he's being used as a blocker at a higher rate than any tight end in the NFL. No tight end in NFL football right now is used as a blocker more often than Chris Herndon. When they do throw the ball to Chris Herndon, and some of this is on Darnold, I'm going to get to that, it's within five yards of a line of scrimmage. It's swing passes at the line. It's screen passes behind the line. The whole point to having a a big tight end who can run and create mismatches is to send him down the field against the linebacker or a safety and let him make a catch. I understand that he has a drop. He's probably got two. Well, guess what? When you're as bad as the Jets, beggars can't be choosers. You're not in position to say, well, this guy has two drops, so we're just not going to use him anymore. We're going to keep trying to throw to Josh Malone. No, you let him work through it. And that's not what's happening. And in fairness, though, however, there were at least a couple of plays last week where Herndon was open down the field. Darnold didn't pull the trigger. But that was one of the alarming things. If you remember, there was a play that was highlighted on the broadcast, Alex. Darnold was under pressure, rolled out to his right. Chris Herndon was down the field without a defender within 10, 15 yards of him with his hand up, begging for the ball. Sam Darnold ran out of bounds. I looked at that and thought, that's Mark Sanchez. That's Geno Smith. That's not the kid that I saw a couple years ago under Jeremy Bates and Todd Bowles. He has regressed to the point that this pisses me off to no end. We now have to have a legitimate conversation about whether or not the Jets take a quarterback if they're sitting there with the first damn pick. Instead, what we should be saying is that if for some reason the Jets land the first pick, it should, they should be, I, I want Penny Sewell. I want a right tackle opposite Mekhi Becton, two guys who, are, who have Hall of Fame potential. You, you can have the, the beginnings of what could be one of the best offensive lines the NFL has ever seen to protect Sam Darnold. That should be the conversation. But because Sam Darnold has gone from a young kid who goes through his progressions and makes wild throws that somehow that people can't figure out how he makes them, he's now a, a shell-shocked kid. He's still only 21, 22 years old. It's not like Darnold entered the league at 22 and he's 25 now. He's still young. He looked like he was on the verge of goddamn tears on the sideline the other day with, with shockingly, not a damn soul in sight talking to him. The quarterback whisperer nowhere to be seen. The defense was on the field. Darnold is on the sidelines looking for answers, and Adam Gase is staring at his damn play chart in a, in a 36-7 to football game. The quarterback whisperer. So what do you do, Alex? If you're the Jets, let's say you, you fire Adam Gase. Sam Darnold looks good, but not great the rest of the way. And you're sitting there with the number one pick. Do you, do you now take Trevor Lawrence with the first pick and have two number one picks on your roster? Or do you say, hey, here's an opportunity to either draft uh, a right tackle who can, as I said, be the beginnings of a, an all-time offensive line, or trade down and add a couple more first-round picks, and maybe, maybe you have three, four first-round picks plus to start adding pieces around Sam Darnold. What do you do? Yeah, I think that, So you know, there's two ways of looking at this, and some people will think, um, you know, Darnold and, and several other players on this team represent the old regime, and if Joe Douglas really wants to 
you know, blow this thing up and and do his rebuild and build it the way that he sees through his eyes. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence is in the conversation here, then then that makes a lot of sense for a new GM to start things and, and kind of do things on his own. Um, knowing the Jets from their history, um, they're very loyal to, you know, in, to particular players in certain aspects, um, you know, with uh, exception to Jamal Adams, who kind of forced, forced their hand. Um, I think the Jets are very high on Sam Darnold. I think they will give him another year. Um, which could end up being, you know, something that they look back at, you know, two, three years from now and say, you know, the Jets didn't realize that, you know, Sam Darnold wasn't the guy and they held on to him one more year rather than going for Trevor Lawrence and they passed up on him to get, you know, maybe an edge defender or another, you know, monster of a tackle, like you had said, which would be phenomenal. Um yeah, that, that that could be the tale of the of this story of if the Jets, you know, move forward to become a better football team, or if they continue to be a team that struggled to figure out a way how to be successful. Um, you know, I I, I think it, it is too early given the youth factor of Sam Darnold and his inexperience. Uh, you know, in defense to him, he was a project coming in. This was a young man that had a lot of mechanical issues and turnover issues and, and, and just a lot of things that he needed corrected before he came into the starters role. Um, and that's why, you know, a lot of teams thought that he would be perfect to go to like a Cleveland where they had Terod Taylor and he could kind of sit behind him for a little bit until he was ready, but he comes to the jets and New York hot minute with everything getting thrown in the microwave here, you just throw him out there. And, um, you know, clearly Sam has, not shown as much progression as we've seen. So it, it's very difficult to look at this scenario right now and say, you know, things aren't working. Um, the defense is not what it, it used to be anymore um, with Jamal Adams being gone. So now that has to be revisited and figured out a way to be successful. Um, still trying to put together the offensive line. There's not enough targets for Sam Darnold, let alone maybe any quarterback in the league right now. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that they have to, to fix here. And, you know, if you're a new GM and you have an opportunity to get a player like Trevor Lawrence, it's hard to not pull that trigger. And, again, you also are sitting there with leverage saying, okay, we are going to go forward with Darnold. If we can move this pick and get even more draft capital, um, that's probably the best scenario for Joe Douglas at this point. Um is to get a trade suitor for that number one pick if he still believes in Sam Darnold at this point. Hopefully they do. Um, I kind of feel with the way Darnold's rhythm has been, he's been kind of slow in September and October, and then he kind of gets a little bit warmer and kind of sizzling hot when he comes into November and December months. So kind of hoping that that's what's going on um, and that, you know, he's just kind of slow out the gate here with some rustiness and no preseason, but – yeah, the future is looking a little grim at this point, and um, as much as we may hate to have this conversation, you know, it's, we have to have it, and we have to be realistic um, that there might be a future without Sam Darnold on this team, as scary as it may seem. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. You know, it's uh, just – and the thing is, you know, I, I said a couple of years ago, and I, and I meant it when I said it, I was like – all the years of not having a quarterback, 
like they finally got one. If this didn't work out, I was like, I, I can't anymore. I, I'm, I'm like, I, I, if they screw up Sam Darnold, then why the hell? Why am I? If they can't make this work, what the hell will they make work? Um, and I just, it, it, it's hard, it's hard to fathom that they, they could have screwed this kid up so quickly. And I, I said it at the time, man. I, I've said it before. I, the first tweet I sent when they hired Adam Gase was. What has this guy ever done to earn any faith from Jets fans? And he had done nothing. He had done nothing. That guy got hired because he was friends with Peyton Manning. I mean, it's absurd. But this is what the Jets did. The Jets took a guy who never ran a successful offense without Peyton Manning and handed him the best quarterback they've had in decades and said, here you go. Peyton vouched for you. It's just absolutely absurd. And now – now, and this is the other thing, Alex, about the, the, the potential firing of Adam Gase. Oh, the Jets are going to fire Adam Gase if they lose to the Broncos this weekend. Or this Thursday, rather. How in the world does ownership say, okay, well, we're going to fire you because we don't think you're good enough to be our head football coach. And then you go, oh, oh, wait a minute. You just beat... And undef- uh, uh, you just beat another winless team with nine guys on IR who had to fly from west to east on short rest. Turns out we were wrong. We're going to keep you around. Like, you couldn't have an easier game on the slate. Like, the, the, these are the types of games that come along, you know, once in a lifetime. Short rest, west to east, winless team, quarterback is hurt, nine guys on IR. You get credit for that win? That that win saves you your job? That that seems absurd to me. If if you somehow manage to beat this team, then then we will go from believing you're not good enough to be the head coach of our football team to believing you are. If you're going to fire him, you don't not fire him because you beat the Broncos. It's inevitable. Absolutely inevitable that you're going to fire this guy. And this is the next best thing to, you know, the bye week is ideal because it gives you that much more time to prepare for the new offensive guy who takes over who would probably be Jim Bob Cooter. But if you – I don't get that. The Jets are going to fire him if he doesn't beat the Broncos. Beating the Broncos should carry as much weight as not beating the Broncos. Nobody cares. That's a game you should win. We're going to go to the phones. Caller, you're on the line, 407 area code. Hey, Glenn, how you doing? Uh, it's Rich from Florida. Alex, how's it going? Hey, Rich, what's happening? Um, it's been a lot. It's been a while since I visited you guys, but I still listen to the podcast. I waited just to listen to what you guys had to say, <laughs> and I kind of waited about as long as I could before I just had a – I feel like Glenn right now, and I'm just trying to give him a couple of minutes to, uh, you know, bring the RPMs down. <laughs> He pretty much feels the same way. Pretty much feels the same way that every probably, you know, loyal Jet fan pretty much feels uh, right now. <clears throat> I'm gonna have to say that, uh, you know, my take on Gaze. I, first of all, I don't, I don't, I don't think this, the organization would like to fire somebody in the middle of the season or whatever. But unfortunately, I, it wouldn't surprise me they kept him through the season and then fired him. But I think he needs to yell, and the proof has always been in the pudding. I'm not a professional guy. I don't know, you know, the ins and outs as much as you guys do or whatever, but 
you know, even even just the guy, even if I just, just say to somebody, hey, look, watch this team play, and here's the, the scenario, and then watch this team play or whatever, and you could just see that it's just – I understand you can make excuses, the lack of talent, blah, 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 and all this stuff, whatever, but at least compete. Not just get trashed and blown out, but compete. Even even some of the – even the Bengals are competing, right? They're competing, making games interesting to watch. I can't even watch this. I mean, it's just like a bunch of – you know, chickens with a head cut off running around or whatever. And, and, and I, I, you know, I do martial arts, and I'm sitting here thinking, well, I, I practice as though I'm in an actual fight, right? Or, you know, I practice how I'm going to actually perform if I'm just going to go in competition and no spar or anything of that sort. And I just don't see these, these people, I mean, the team being, you know, well coached. I just don't, just don't see it on the field. I don't, you know, we talk about regression, any kind of progression, or anything in that sense. I, I, I mean, that's just. I mean, that's just my take. I mean, the guy's got to go. Unfortunately, uh, I think we should just start focusing on who we're going to bring in here because I think he, he, he should be done. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't want him around anymore. I don't think he should be around. I don't think he's done or shown anything. Even from the beginning, I, I just don't. I'm sorry, but he hasn't shown anything. Anything. Nothing. Nothing at all. Well, I, I think you're right about that, Rich, and thanks for calling in. Good to hear from you. Um, you know, somebody asked me earlier on Twitter, and I've seen a few people tweet it out, you know, why are the Jets contacting agents now? They obviously can't replace Gase, you know, or they're not going to replace him in season. And I think that I think they're just – they're getting their ducks in a row. I think they want to have their candidates lined up. They want to reach out. They probably want to reach out to some guys and say, is your guy interested? You know, because there are some guys who probably don't want this job. And if they don't, that's fine. So you, you get the list of guys who are interested, and you take care of as much of the process as you can while games are still being played. And then once the season ends, if you've narrowed it down to two or three guys, you bring those guys in for interviews. You know, literally, you schedule those interviews for the day after the season, and hopefully within three or four days of the season ending, you have a new head coach to move forward with. Um, you know, who would that be? You know, uh, Todd Monken is a name that, that, that I liked the first time around. Eric Bieniemy is a name that a lot of people are floating. I've said that I would like that higher. You know, there is that, there seems to be this thing with Bieniemy where, where people are either worried about the fact that he coaches for Andy Reid, where Andy calls the plays, or they, they don't care. And I think the pro the real problem is we, nobody knows if he's calling the plays or even when Andy Reid says he is calling plays, is he calling, is he calling plays in garbage time or is he the one? I mean, you could tell me he's calling the plays, but when I watch the games, I'm seeing Andy Reid staring at his play card, staring out at the field while Eric bien you know, sometimes he's, he's talking to the guys on the bench or sometimes he's right behind Andy and they could be communicating. You know, it, it's not that, it's not to say the guy isn't calling plays, but you're not going to sit here and convince me that Andy Reid isn't calling any of the plays. So uh, under what situations is he doing that? And I, I kind of feel like I want a guy. We've had enough coordinators come in here and fail. Like I like Monken because he has been, uh, you know, he's been a head coach at the collegiate level, and he's been a successful offensive coordinator at the pro level. So he's done both of those things. Um, that's again, Bienemy, Monken. I've I've said for years. I think the last two head coaching searches, but definitely the most recent, the Gase one. Um, I, I like David Shaw, who's at Stanford, who does a great job out there. 
You talk about a, a program that does a great job developing O-linemen, um, pro-style offense. So David Shaw would be my guy. He's worked in the NFL, so he, he ticks all the boxes for me. He's a winner, pro system, NFL experience, head coaching experience. But every time I hear his name, it's, it's followed by has no interest in returning to the NFL. David Shaw has no interest. So whenever there's a head coaching search, he's a guy who's at the top of my list. Uh, but apparent, but money talks. Go, find out what it would take. Get get the right coach in here. I thought the right coach last time was Matt Rule, but you screwed that up. I think yeah. that I think David Shaw should be the guy, but I just I don't think he will be because I've not read a single thing from a single person that says he wants to come back to the NFL. So then you're getting into Monk and enemy territory. And, again, the enemy's got a nice resume, but I'm looking for a guy like a David Shaw, like a Todd Monken, guys who have been head coaches. You know, I don't know yeah, I think if you the make... Jets – go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think you make a, you make a good point. And then you made the point earlier, and, and here's, this has always been my argument. I thought, we've called – and I talked even with free agency, okay? And it's just how, how, much, of the, how much people – really want to come into this organization or whatever that, that may have, you know, the, the, the reputation of just being, uh, you know, like some people say, a dump the fire. You know, they hire the wrong people, wrong personnel, and, you know, they see, you know, every time I interview for a job or whatever, I know they interview me and they want to see me, but I'm also interviewing the company and I want to know, okay, where they're at and where they stood or whatever. So it's, I always looked at it that way. And I don't know how – I understand that this is a business and, and people look at it as like, hey, I'm going to go. They're going to give you the money, whether I win, lose, or draw here or whatever. But, I mean, you're an athlete, and I know that you want to get paid, but you also want to win. You also want to compete. You you also want to make worthwhile or whatever. I, I just don't think the money is, you know, the 100% factor. And so when you see this organization or whatever, how many people really do want to come here? I mean, what is – what is what is the ownership or or even I'm gonna to have to put it to the ownership and and to the GM where to really convince people to say hey we're making the, we're making a change we're making a turn and this is really a good place to come. Well, I think that's where yeah. Joe Douglas comes in. To be honest, you know Joe Douglas came here with a reputation far stronger than any any GM the Jets have hired in recent years. Let's face it, when John Idzik was hired, nobody knew who the hell he was. Uh, when Mike McCagnan was hired, he's a guy who, you know, as much as I supported him, he didn't have the resume that Joe Douglas has. Joe Douglas has the stronger resume. You would imagine this means more connections. You know, th- th- that's the thing is if Joe Douglas feels like he's been doing this long enough, the, all the years he spent in Baltimore, he spent some time in Chicago, he spent some time in Philly, you know, he may have some guys, because we do every now and then, guys, you see a GM go out and hire a head coaching candidate that nobody anticipated. And it's like, who the hell is that guy? Where's that? Well, listen, that guy is probably somebody who the GM has seen up close and personal, seen him work, you know, on a staff as someone who stood out is like, yeah, that guy's going to be a good head coach one day. Um, you know, uh, who was it? Uh, Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. I, I lived near Philly when that happened. The Eagles got killed for that hire. Who the hell is this guy? He has never done anything. He's a nobody. He's a failure. He, you know, he's this, he's, he's old, you know, old for a first-time head coach, and people ripped it. And then he goes on with the Super Bowl. So, you know, I, I can sit here and talk about who I like, 
You guys can talk about how you like. I can talk about what criteria I would hope the team would have. As I said, head coaching experience, some NFL experience, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, Joe Douglas is the guy who is going to be putting a list together with Christopher Johnson, and which means Joe Douglas is going to be the guy putting a list together. And he's going to have some guys that he knows that will be on that list, and he might make some calls to some guys he's heard some things about. But um, I don't think that anyone is a shoe-in at this point, and I, I don't know as far as you know, guys who want to come here, guys who don't. If Joe Douglas knows a guy who he thinks can be a great head coach, and they have a good relationship. I mean, that's what could seal the deal. That was one of the problems with McCagnan and Isaac. You know, who did they know? Who, who, who was on their radar that looked at those two guys as like, man, yeah, there's a really, there's a respected football man that I want to work for. You know, I, I mean, I've said it with every, with every hire. You would imagine for, for this job, any NFL job, we say it every time, there's only 32 of them. You would think any, non, any guy looking for a head coaching job would jump at it. But look, sometimes these hot candidate coaches know. They're like, hey, my name's out there, and if i got to wait another year or two to get a situation I like, I'll do it. And sometimes they will. But you hope that the relationship Joe Douglas has built over the years will mean that he can bring in a head coach that he wants. And and let's hope it's not another. I mean, look, Todd Bowles came in here after having won, you know, uh, assistant coach of the year from the AP, the top coordinator in the NFL. And he bombed out. I mean, we can sit here and say, Look at what Eric Bieniemy's doing. Yeah, uh, kind of a lot like what Adam Gase did with Peyton Manning. Like, how much of that is on the player? Adam Gase was the head coach for a record-breaking offense. And now Eric Bieniemy's an offensive coordinator for a record-breaking offense. Okay, does that, it doesn't always translate. So I, I agree. But, you know, okay, my last point will be this. The carousel has been going around for – I'm 51 years old now, so, it, you know, carousel has been going on for that long, right? And so, um, then, you know, the one person that's really suffering with, with all this or whatever has been the QB, right, where you go from Mike Sanchez to Gino, and now we have Sam Donald. And so if something has to be done now in the sense of if we're moving on from the head coach or whatever, we're going to put in a new system or whatever, it needs to be it really needs to be a hit. Or else they go Donald. And then now we're back back at it again. Would you agree? Go ahead, Alex, you take that one. Okay. Is that Alex? Well, I'll continue. <laughs> we never lost Alex. Well um, you you, you, bro- you broke up on mine, so I told Alex to take it. You may Go ahead and say your question again, Rich, and I'll I'll take it. Well, that's fine. Well, my question is this, right? We talked about head coaching candidates and people want to come and all that stuff. But in the meantime, the guy that really has been left behind in the old in the solo deal has been the QBs, right? We had the carousel, right? And then the Sanchez carousel and then the Geno carousel. And then now we're having the carousel with a couple of different systems that have been put in place for Sam Donald. And then his development is suffering. His his comfort into a new system is going to take longer now because it just keep, you keep sitting in the carousel. So I think the urgency. There's still time for Donald, and I, I don't I don't think we should get a QB, but we got to hit. And we got to hit now. He's in his third year. That's my question. We got we got to hit with a good coach this time around. Well, look, you know, all you can yes. do is, is hope that you get you get the right guy. But uh, I think Alex is back with us now. If you want to chime in there, bud. 
Yeah, sorry about that, guys. <laughs> I didn't realize I had myself muted, and I didn't want to break your, uh, your train of thought there. Um, you're absolutely right, Rich. Um, this this kind of does make it a little bit difficult um, in regards to who the right person is going to be. Um, timing right now does not seem to be great. Um, clearly, the fan base is looking for, uh, you know, some sort of drastic change here. They want answers, um, but, you know, could be more detrimental than people perceive by making a change like that at this point in time. Number one, um, you're going to have a, a season to continue with possible dysfunction and disarray. Um, different philosophies. Um, you might lose guys in the locker room. Guys that are on contract years may not want to come back because it just looks too difficult to deal with um, to be a part of a sinking ship. So, you know, this could all play out very poorly for particular individuals' futures, such as young players like Darnold, um, you know, and, and some of this, the, the guys that have been drafted within the last year or two. Um, you know, the timeline that they had in place for themselves, career-wise, professionally, and things like that. So um, very, very difficult, you know, turning point year for this organization. Sam Darnold seems to be the one who's the victim at this point in time, uh, being on a team that wasn't really prepared to have a young, inexperienced quarterback thrive, Um you know, for years we've we've invested into the defense and we've neglected our offense, but we have not done well hitting in all aspects of our defense. So this this organization has really really set themselves back um, further than I think anybody could have anticipated. Um, you know, each year we keep thinking that our off seasons provide promise and upgrades into particular areas and we're just not seeing things like that come to fruition. Uh, You've invested into older cornerbacks that have not worked out. We've neglected the pass rush Um, up until, you know, a year or two ago. We've been very complacent with the offensive line. Um, we have not spent big money on offense as far as targets besides Le'Veon Bell, and that has yet to, uh, you know, pay dividends on that spendings. So there's a lot of things going on um, that make it very difficult to convince a new coach to come in here and say, hey, we've got a hot mess and the kitchen's on fire. Um, you've got to put out the fire first, and then you've got to figure out a way to put it all back together and then come next fall have, you know, a fully functional, you know, um, product to, be, to put out there that's, A, going to be successful, provide, you know, wins and keep the fan base happy and, you know, show promise for the future. That's very difficult to do within a year's time, and it may take a couple of years now. Um, I just kind of hope Joe Douglas has a plan with Sam Darnold in, in, in the mix here because that'll that'll make uh, the timeline of making things more, you know, positive for this team happen sooner. But, you know, looking down the line right here, there are far too many glaring holes that are still here that need to be addressed. And it, it could be some time before we figure out, did we find the right guy? Do we have the right quarterback? And do we have the right pieces in-house 
to be competitive every Sunday. Um, I don't have any of the answers right now, and I don't I don't know if these guys will have any answers anytime soon. Um, just kind of, you know, take it piece by piece, each layer of this team, and just try to figure out a way how you can get better in each aspect. Now I sound like Adam Gates well, in the press conference. <laughs> All right, yeah, thanks well. a lot for calling in, Rich. Really appreciate it. It's been a while since we heard from you. Uh, be sure to call back in. Call call back in to talk about the new head coach next week. All right? Uh, yeah. There you I, go. I, well, I, I I try whatever you know. So I, as an airline pilot, I'm always on the on the road or whatever, and I can't catch you whenever I can. But, That's no excuse. Uh, you can listen. make phone calls from airplanes. I know that. <laughs> Not when I'm at the control. Priorities, Rich. This is a new head coach, buddy. Come on. I'm not saying a call from the cockpit to talk about a preseason game. That would be unreasonable. This is a, this is the coaches yeah. being fired. Yeah, I don't think the FAA would allow me, but I'll, I'll, I'll run it by them. See, they will. I mean, I'd say, well, Glenn says I could. <laughs> That'll be my defense. I, Listen, I, it's a call great. about the uh, Jets. The FAA should be in love with that. They should. <laughs> it, it is related to it is related to aviation in one way. Or yes, another, this right? is an aviation telephone call about some Jets. Now get <laughs> off my line, FAA. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But you guys agree? Uh, I listen. I do listen to the podcast, even though I don't chime in or or I well, you know, you you get tweets from me because because I let you guys know, hey, I did listen to your podcast, and I'll make a comment on what you guys shared or said. But keep up the good work. Uh, I love you guys. You guys are great. I love being talking about fellow Jeff fans, even though we're going to tell you we, we got what we got, but at least we agree on one thing. Gabe's got we're go. here for each other, Rich. We're here for you, That's man. That's right. <laughs> Take care, buddy. Right. Well, here too. For you. All right. <laughs> Goodbye. All right. So, be, Alex, be well. um, let's do uh, three top performers, if you can think of three top performers from Sunday. Sure. And then maybe uh, a score prediction, and then we'll wrap it up because we're early. Because I got yeah. I I got to work an overnight tonight, so I wouldn't have been able to do the yeah. show otherwise. I got to bail in a few minutes. So give me three guys you liked what you saw. I actually ha- I'm actually excited about uh, my my three because as bad as the team was, there were three things that jumped out that I actually liked. Um, and then we'll do a score prediction for Thursday night. What do you, What do you got, Alex? Okay. Yeah, the good, the bad, the ugly here, um, you know, for my notes here, uh, you know, the good that I saw that came from last Sunday, which is hard to find. Um, we got a player in Braxton Berrios. Um, we have what looks to be an identity now created with our running backs. Um, really interesting to see the mix of P. Ryan Gore and Kalen Bellage. I don't know what that means for Le'Veon Bell, but – um, you know, Gore hit some lanes and had some trunk runs for seven, eight yards apiece here. Um, Balaj came in and did some things as a receiver, which was quite interesting in the screen game. And then Piran just looked like a young, you know, rookie running back that, you know, looks like he's ready to run through a brick wall and um, had a couple plays where, you know, he broke some tackles. And, you know, not all of the lanes were pretty that Piran had, but he, he kind of scrapped what he could. So I like to see... Um, a little bit of life coming out of the backfield. That was good. Um, you know, Barrios two weeks in a row, him and Darnold playing some backyard football. Not always the way you draw off the plays, but I'm glad to see that, you know, there is at least one receiver that's emerging out of this group. You know, hopefully when Mims and Crowder come back healthy, you have, 
you know, at least three guys there that we know that we can rely on and, and hopefully Perriman too. So, you know, all is not lost with this wide receiver group. Um, there, there's one guy that looks pretty decent, and as long as these guys get healthy, you know, Sam should have some more targets. Um, and then, you know, I'll just end my good stuff here with uh, Adoga not having his name called out too much. Um, so we got somebody in the depth, which we already know. Not bad day from Adoga. Uh, Lawrence Cager with a couple nice catches. Um, who knows? Hopefully another UDFA wide receiver comes out to emerge. So that was the good. Um, unfortunately, the bad was, was Sam Darnold. And, and, the bad and was case. everything else that happened on the field. Yeah. <laughs> and then the ugly, I'm going to have to say, is the defense here. I know everything's been focused on the offense as of late. It's just quite alarming to me. Um, you know, no sacks, no turnovers by the defense. Um, continue to get run over and um, some, some poor pass coverage uh, as well. Uh, a lot of holes. Um couple weeks in a row letting up big plays to tight end so our tight end coverage has now become a problem again and uh, you know our linebackers seem to be struggling as well that would be the ugly aspect of it of the good bad and the ugly Uh, and I'll throw it back to you for your assessment Glenn yeah uh, I'm going to keep it short I'm just going to go with a a few guys that stood out uh, on the positive side and the first guy I want to mention is a guy you did mention Chuma Adoga I when I during uh, I've rewatched the game twice but my first rewatch was like 90% 90% focused on him because um, he's an interesting guy to me said a million times during the off season. I thought he had the ability to start if he got a little stronger and there were questions about his work ethic and look, this, this could turn out to be nothing, but I came away from that game about, about halfway through the third quarter. And I was like, this is the best game I've ever seen this guy play. He's not, he's not, he's not throwing people around. He's not, he's not dominating, but he was playing a damn good game. I'm thinking he got beat once or twice. Not not for a sack, but like gave up some lo- what looked like fairly easy, <clears throat> excuse me, easy pressures late in the game. But snap by snap throughout the game, I'd say, in my mind, best game we've seen from Chuma Adoga. Important because as we discussed, they signed Fant to a deal that allows them to cut him this offseason and save like six seven million dollars. And and I will say, and it could change over the course at completely different players, completely different skill sets. I thought Adoga looked better than Fant looked in week one and two. I, feel, I looked at that, and I thought, if you, you show me these two guys side by side, you know, fans game tape from his first two games, and then, and then Adoga, I'm thinking Adoga's the starter, right? Like, the first guy you show me must be the backup. Um, and then, you know, for, for a little, uh, to see if I was out of my mind, um, I was like, I, w- I wonder how PFF graded Adoga out, because I, you know, and to me, he played really well. And they actually graded him 78-5, which is his, the best grade of his career. So, to my eyeballs, it looked like the best I'd ever seen him play. PFF, as we always say, the, the Take It With a Grain of Salt website, they graded him out as, a, as it being the best game he's ever played. And that, that's a positive development because that, if, if he keeps that up, that, that becomes a, a cheap starter on offense if you can uh, cut ties with Fant this offseason. Fant hasn't been terrible, but if you can upgrade and save $7 million, you do that every time. So, I like the Doga. Uh, Berrios obviously, you know, made some plays. And I, I, I remember tweeting out last year um, and saying many times this offseason, why isn't this guy getting more involved? I think he can be a playmaker. I think he's a guy who can do some things. And um, he looked good. You know, he had the touchdown second week in a row. And I think, I think he's a tough dude. And I think he can be a, a nice complimentary receiver. 
Cager only had a couple targets, but <laughs> Berrios and Cager were the only two wide receivers to catch a ball. How insane is that? It's yeah. 20 freaking 20 where every game I turn on, five different receivers are catching six passes. Um, the Jets had two guys catch passes, two receivers. Some of the biggest plays were Hogan, Herndon, and Griffin dropping wide open passes. I mean, yeah, yeah, really it, it was frustrating. Ugly. It was, it was, and listen, that's the thing. You know, I don't, I don't want to, not to get back on Gase, but this probably wasn't his worst game in a lot of ways, but he did do some things that were absolutely infuriating. And, and actually, I am going to get back to Gase. There were, because there were two things yeah. that, that we didn't mention that really drove me nuts. Um, and I brought this up last week, and it, it, it sounds sort of conspiracy theory-ish, but I was glad to see after the game, um, uh, Dan Orlovsky tweeted something similar about how it was kind of the coaching was absolutely unbelievable. Um, first off, you're trying to develop a young quarterback, okay? Um, and I wish we had a few more minutes because I actually had a really good analogy. I'm going to use it anyway. So this might use our last few minutes. Um, now, whether or not it paid off in the long run, I'd have to go back and look and see what it is, the numbers, but I get the concept. Years ago, because uh, I was at this game, it's probably why I remember, <laughs> excuse me, probably why I remember it so well. Jets played the Jaguars in Jacksonville and got their doors blown off. Game was over at halftime, 31-3, whatever the hell it was. Jets hadn't been running the ball well. Um, Eric Mangini was the head coach, and they came out in the second half and ran it and ran it and ran it, and, and they, they just ran. And there must have been a 10-to-1 run-to-pass ratio in the second half of a game they were getting killed. And I, at first, I'm like, what the hell are you doing? You're not going to get back in this game. And then I realized after a couple series, oh, he's not trying to get back in this game. He knows this game is over, so he's using live reps to, to improve his run game. Like, nothing he can do in practice is going to be better than what he can do now. This game is lost. It's over. He's moved on from the result. He's using the second half to work on the run game. And I can respect that. I get it. The Jets' goal is to develop Sam Darnold and see if he's a good quarterback or not. In the fourth quarter the other day, the start of the fourth quarter, it was 31-7. to And this is how the play calling went for the first few series for Adam Gase in a 31-7 game in the fourth quarter trying to develop a quarterback. Run, run, pass, run, 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 pass, run, pass. That was before the final series when, he threw the, when they threw like three straight passes. Which brings me to that. This guy backs down from every big situation. He either punts or runs a, a, a third and 18 draw play. He cowers at every adverse situation. Five seconds left in a 36-7 game. And he sends Sam Darnold out there to throw a pass and get chased down by the defense. Why is nobody talking about that? I'm watching that. I'm like, what the hell is going on right now? Like, this is worse than when Todd Bowles ran Darnold out there. When Spencer Long had, uh, like, seven dislocated fingers and kept snapping the ball over his head. And Darnold is getting chased from behind while he's chasing down errant snaps. Five seconds left. You said, dude, that to me is saying, I just want to get this guy killed right now. Like, it's 36 to 7 or whatever the hell it was. We have five seconds left in this game. It's fourth down. All I have to do is punt. There'll be enough hang time to run the clock out. But I'm going to send Sam Darnold out there under center. I don't think there was a running back. I think it was empty backfield. But whether or not it was, I don't, that's irrelevant. You're sending him out there with five seconds for the, defense, for the defense to pin their ears back and get after him. And they did. They pressured him and he threw it away. But I'm watching that play unfold, and I'm like, 
If someone puts a helmet and drills Sam Donald under the chin and knocks him out for the year, what, what the hell is Adam Gase doing here? That was the most nonsensical thing I've seen him do since taking over. And that's saying a lot. Like, I don't know what the justification is. And, and especially, you just spent the whole damn quarter running the ball and not letting him throw and wasting everybody's damn time. And then with five seconds left, you're like, you know what? Let's give him another rep. Let's, I'm going to have him throw here. You've got to be out of your damn mind. It's like he's, I don't know if he's, I hope he's trying to lose because he can't be this dumb. Like, you're either tanking and trying to lose or you're literally like the dumbest guy ever. And I'm, I'm always really careful, Alex, to explain, and, and I, say, I say it as, as often as I can remember to remind people that I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a dopey blogger. I'm not a football coach. These guys know a million times more than I do. But, like, I do know things like if you want to get better at something in life, you do that thing over and over so you can get better at it. Like, for example, throwing passes in an NFL football game, especially when you're down by four, five, six, seven, eight touchdowns. And Adam Gase goes heavy run. And then I know when, when it's five seconds left and it's fourth down, just, just punt the damn ball and run the clock out. Adam Gase says, I'm going to send my franchise quarterback out there to run around and get chased by the defense. That's not, that's not like, hey, Glenn, you can't comment because you've never coached. You've never played in the NFL. All you have to do is not be an idiot to make that observation. Some things are self-evident. Things to get better at them. And don't send the guy out there for the final play on fourth down to get killed. So I apologize. I meant to actually open with that because that, it pissed me off so much. But I, I got off track. But before we go, Alex, let's thank our sponsor, Mile Social. Let's hope that Adam Gase is as many miles away from the Jets as possible come Friday. Mile Social, if you're a business owner and you're looking for someone to run all of your social media platforms to get more customers through your doors and money in your pocket, Contact Mile Social. That's M I L E Social.com. Mile Social.com. Whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it may be, get in touch with Mile Social and they will get you straightened out. Alex, that wraps things up, buddy. I got to get to work. Uh, thanks for doing the weird out of, out of uh, normal cycle time to get this show on the air. Really wanted to get it done. And if they fire Gase, I don't know what you got going on Thursday, Friday, Alex. If I'm around, I'm planning on jumping on the air to talk about it. Uh, hope you can join me. Look at your calendar, your schedule. And, and I hope you feel good, buddy. Tell, tell everybody uh, how you're feeling because I, I know you had a little uh, minor surgery there. Yeah, I'm doing all right coming, coming off the men's here. Uh, just a minor back surgery, something I've had for a while. But uh, on the uh, right path to get healthy, just uh, moving a little bit slower these days. But, uh, you know, I'm looking to go back to work next week and, and get my life, I guess, <laughs> something back to normal whatever we call this new norm is but uh yeah appreciate dylan coming in filling in next week and you guys always uh stepping up uh for for my odd curveballs life is throwing at me this past year but uh yeah life is throwing curveballs you know, at everybody man we get it know, we get it crazy crazy, crazy times right now. but all right uh, Alex, yeah, we got a thursday night game coming up here so hopefully short week the jets can figure out a way to be a little bit more productive and um, hearing some, some good things about Beckton and Crowder possibly being available for Darnold this week. So that should be positive. Yes. And to close on a good note, one of my stars I meant to mention, a guy who didn't get enough talk, John Franklin Myers looked damn good for a second week in a row. Um, he looked really good 
two weeks ago. And then uh, this past week, he had some legitimate pressures against uh, against a, an offensive line that's one of the better ones in the NFL. So uh, maybe him and uh, Quinn and Williams can be something special moving forward. Both young guys, both beating up interior linemen at the moment. Uh, so one of the very few good things the Jets have going for them right now. Thank you so much, Jets fans. We may see you sooner than usual if there is a firing. Um, if not, we will be back with you next Tuesday. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a good one, Jets fans. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!